All right, this week in Mormons, I'm back. I know another another episode with Kurt Frankum, the guy who's running this ship now behind the scenes. And uh, like I said, it's not my intention for my voice to be on this podcast every week, or if at all. Last week we had some newbies, Melissa and Matt, a brother and sister brother and sister duo that did a phenomenal job. And you just might hear them again. We'd love your feedback on any of our co-hosts. But this one, this week, we know we have. A tried and true, and that's Devin Thorpe. Welcome, Devin. <laughs> it's great to be here, Kurt. It's it's uh, it's fun. I love love Twim and love a chance to talk about what's going on in the church every week. So thank you for inviting me to be. With yeah, you. I'm glad you agreed. And uh, you know, you I always enjoyed the episodes you were on and your perspective. And um, and so I thought we we gotta see if we can loop you in here a time or two yeah. more. So I'm yeah. glad you're here. Now you're still you're in Florida, right? Yes, I am in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, and Jacksonville, you probably don't recall because there are too many to remember these things, but Jacksonville was on the list of new places to get a temple at That's conference, right. and uh, so uh, the party here is still ongoing. And they, they haven't <laughs> announced the location yet, have they? No, no, and uh, we convene a, a meeting every Sunday to discuss where it should be or where it will be, and of course, we, none of us have any idea. <laughs> any, any like uh, potential places that just have all the indicators, or um, no, no, uh, no, uh, yeah, I think there. Are, actually, I think there are folks who've been here longer who have clearer ideas, uh-huh. uh, but, but. Um, I don't think anybody really knows. Right. Uh, what so, temple district are you in right now? Uh, Orlando. Okay. So, in fact, my wife and I are heading down in the morning, and then we're going to sort of make it a, a crazy temple day. We're going to drive down and do a little work in the Orlando temple, and then we're going to drive up to see the uh, Tallahassee temple, which is now complete, I believe, at least on the outside. So it looks oh. like a temple. Uh, we were we visited Tallahassee about 14 months ago to see the temple, and at that point, it was a hole. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> and so now we understand it's done. So we want to go see it. Uh, and uh, but yeah, we're we're excited to have one That's right cool. here in Jacksonville. You know, here's the key thing you need to know about Jacksonville folks waiting for a temple because the first stake in all of the Southern United States was my stake center right here really in Jacksonville, Florida. Not in not in Georgia, not near Atlanta where they had a temple 100 years ago or 50 uh-huh. years ago really. <laughs> but um, no, it was down here in Jacksonville and so temples have been going up all around as this stake gets carved up into more and more pieces and divided and split and shared. And so it's a tiny fraction of what it was when it was formed. And they, our stake center was originally called a tabernacle. It's that old. It was oh, built, really? in, wow. built in 1947. And, and it's still, uh, they're still u- using the same building and everything. Yep. Yeah. So it's wow. my, it's my stake center. And so we go there and um, as you can imagine, 75 years is really not that old. It looks like a pretty modern building. Okay. <laughs> so it doesn't right. look like the tabernacle in Salt Lake or any of the other historic tabernacles I'm familiar with, but, uh, but it was, it was called a tabernacle. It's at least that old. So anyway, it's kind of an interesting tidbit on Jacksonville history and why we're excited about a temple here. That's great. So how long is the drive from where you're at to Orlando? Uh, about two and a half hours. The way I drive, it's closer to three. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Nice. So my, this my, my wife is never worried I'll get a speeding ticket on the freeway. She's more worried a cop's going to pull me over and said, the gas pedal's the one on the right. <laughs> nice. You're always watching those minimum <laughs> speed limit signs, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Nice. I drive an electric car. And so, uh, you know, the, the, the range maximizing strategy is to go a little slower oh, really? than the speed limit. Yeah. Uh, so does like your so, dashboard tell you like the, the sweet spot to stay in on the freeway or? No, no, it doesn't. Uh, I've done some math. Other people have done math. Um, I think the the actual speed optimizing strategy for a long road trip is 70 miles an hour, mm-hmm. which is really a pain out west. Here in Florida, though, the top speed limits we ever encounter are 70, but I tend to go a little slower than that. I just... <laughs> 
I just hate. Now, does the you know my does the Orlando parking lot, the Orlando Temple parking lot, have a place for you to recharge? No, oh, no. Boy. I should I'm write a letter. A letter. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk more about uh, changes driven by members later, maybe today, that's and right. uh, that'll be. Uh, I sh- that'll. I, nice. I'm going to do that when nice. I go tomorrow. I'm going to say, hey, yeah, you know, you ought to do that. That's true. That's true. And I'm sure the I'm sure the guy with the checks that recommends at the counter is the guy I need to talk. Yeah, I'm about sure that. he'd love to get that feedback. <laughs> I got to figure out who is the guy, though. That would be a good idea. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So anything else, Devin, in your life that would be worth updating the the TWIM audience? Oh, no, 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 no. Well, can I say one thing? Can I say one thing? So in my real job, uh, uh, I do a lot of things. But one of the things I do is organize a conference uh, where we talk about uh, investing in little companies that are working to solve big problems. And so our next conference, it's called the uh, um, Super Crowd 23, will be May 10th and 11th. So just wow. visit thesupercrowd.com to get your early bird tickets. Where's the venue this year? It's virtual. So oh, you can okay. participate from anywhere in the world. Very eco-friendly, so, right on brand for yes, you, Kevin, right? Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Nice. Well, I'm glad that your voice is on Twim once again. And uh, thank you. you, thanks for where, having. Where, where's a good jumping off point for for the news this week? Which which story stood out most to you? Well, I don't know that it stood out most, but I feel okay. like we teased it, so maybe we should go there. Okay, uh, but Peggy Fletcher Stack wrote that interesting piece this week in the Salt Lake Tribune about changes that uh, have been driven by. Uh, individual saints that didn't apparently come from the top down. And of course, this is a controversial topic. Uh, uh, Let's see. um, Ahmad Corbett, who's in the Young Men's General Presidency, gave uh, a speech the other day to a group of Latter-day Saint chaplains and basically said that Anytime we make any suggestions about putting electric car chargers in the temple parking lot, we are evil. Oh, evil boy. Repent. And must repent. Yes. <laughs> um, so uh, Peggy Fletcher Stack made a list of all the things. I think she got some historians to help her, but she put together the article. Um, she talked to Paul Reeve, uh, who's a historian, about things that had changed because of members. And it goes back. In history, right, there are lots of examples. Uh, the primary was uh, credited broadly by church officials to an idea by a member who wanted to teach kids church principles. Uh, Sunday school back in the 1840s was brought about not by the brethren top down, but by a guy who said, you know, we ought to be doing this. And eventually it was replicated throughout the church and was established, uh, adopted by the church. But it was it was a very organic grassroots thing. Um, you know, a, a little more controversially, uh, well known that lots of people uh, were uh, lobbying, perhaps, for the church to drop its priesthood ban uh, long before it happened. Uh, you know, a decade or more before it happened. And uh, so it's uh, really, you know, that that's a, oh, another one. But um, humanitarian service was one. Uh, you know, boy, you know, Kate Kelly is gets all kinds of grief in the church. She's been excommunicated. Uh, but um, after she organized ordained women, Women got a lot more say in the church. Women were added to some key priesthood uh, committees at, at, temp- at headquarters. Women have been invited to pray in general conference. A number of fairly significant things have come about to inc- be more inclusive of women. And furthermore, uh, President Oaks described the nature of women's service in the church when they receive a calling is receiving delegated priesthood authority and exercising that. So it's interesting. We've begun to talk about many women's issues differently okay so enough enough examples but i want to share i want to share kind of a crazy anecdote i love my personal my personal connection to this is not actually electric car chargers at the temple parking lot yet that'll we'll talk about (laughs) that next time i'm on but but when 
when, uh, when I was on my mission, so this was about 120 years ago, uh, <laughs> the, no, this was, I was on my mission in 1980, I think. No, 83, 83 to 85. Nice. Uh, my mother, my, 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 uh, parents and I lived in President Kimball's ward when I oh, was wow. young, before my mission, long before my mission. We moved out of his ward probably 10 years before this anecdote. But it gave my parents an opportunity to meet him a few times. I yeah. personally met him several was times. Was this in like and, downtown area? or No, he was living uh, downtown-ish. Depends on how you define uh, downtown. Sure. But he was living in... Um, the the Bonneville stake, I think. Uh, but it's, he was living on Laird Avenue, uh, which is about 12th South and at about 2100 East. Gotcha. Cute little house, cute little house, but just a little old bungalow. Um, nothing fancy. So <clears throat> anyway, my parents felt like they knew him. My mother, uh, was sick and tired of one piece garments. And so she drew, renderings uh like you would see in like a i don't know fashion magazine or something like kind of like a somewhere between a fashion rendering and a and a pattern but she drew out what two-piece garments could look like and sent them to president kimball right before they happened oh really so, <laughs> yeah yeah so it was just, this was before my mission because uh i had two-piece garments on my mission uh, uh-huh. i owned one pair uh, of the one pieces, <laughs> but I never, I never, I think I wore them as a novelty once, but, um, yeah, so this, she did this before, but anyway, she takes credit for two piece garments. My mother, uh, wow. until the day she died, she took credit. Uh, we need to build course, a statue somewhere. This, <laughs> yeah, of course, of course we didn't get a, a letter from president Kimball saying, thanks for this good idea. We'll implement it. Uh-huh. Uh, so my mom, uh, but my mom thinks she did it. So wow. anyway, there it is. So she so, she could be on this list for sure. She and, thinks she deserves to be on this list. She's <laughs> she's now not with us anymore. But but she would definitely claim to nice. be that, that she was omitted only by accident from this list. Another one that isn't on this list, at least I didn't see it, is a Seminary. I believe was started by a gentleman at uh, Granite High School in Salt Lake, and the church adopted it as well. So, oh yeah. Uh, that's another so. great one. And, you know, th- there's a really recent one uh, that's rather benign, but uh, uh, the Manti Temples, uh, Manti oh, yeah. Temple murals, they mm-hmm. were coming out. And then the, the church said, oh, no, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll save them. We uh, And the church kind of dodged crediting the members who freaked out <laughs> over this. Right. But the members in that neighborhood really did freak out. They said, no, yeah. no, you can't yeah. do this. Yeah. Well, it seems like a lot of these controversial ones, even ordained women and whatnot, there's, I don't think the church would ever go on record or admit that, you know, no, you know, it just happened to be at the same time or whatnot. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, same with the, um, the youth interviews. What is it? Allowing oh, yeah. an adult yeah. to sit in on a youth interview and whatnot. And, and, you know, I, Maybe, maybe not on some of those. To me, it's a little bit of a stretch uh, on some of them. But nonetheless, it, it is an interesting dynamic we have in our in our yeah. faith tradition as far as how things happen. And, you know, we like to keep keep it simple as far as like the narrative of, you know, top down. There's, you know, there's a scroll yep. from heaven that comes from <laughs> through the ceiling. And we just yeah. know. And I think just from both our experience, I'd imagine, you know, serving in leadership roles, we like to think that. Uh, you know, we, the, 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 the primary presidency was, you know, God had written these names down in heaven and, and revealed them to the bishopric. When in reality, uh, you know, bishopric's get in a room, we, we talk about things, we consider who's moving, who's not, and we make, make a choice. I remember one time as a bishop calling a primary president and I think it was two weeks in, she came to me and just said, not doing it. I'm like, wait wait a minute, we just called you. And, (laughs) you know, I sort of swallowed my pride as I stood up and called another primary president. But it's just the messiness of a lot of these things. Um, Yeah. And it is so true. You know? Yeah. 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 It's so true. And, and, And the church now is training us. And you know this better than I, but they, they, they train us on like how to do a ward council meeting. And a bishop mm-hmm. is strongly encouraged to do a lot more listening than 20 right. years ago. Right. Right. The, it's all about gathering input, make reaching consensus, collaborating. Very different sense of how a ward should run uh, that's emerged recently. And it's great advice. That's how 
pretty much everything ought to run. And so we sometimes think we're getting more comfortable with the idea that it might work more like that uh, at the Quorum of the Twelve and the First Presidency, that they're deliberating, pondering, praying, getting ideas from hither and yon, as well as inspiration from our Heavenly Father. Yeah, yeah. So, and are you, did you uh, hear or read or uh, Brother Corbett's talk that he, that uh, Peggy is referencing in this article? I did not hear it, read it, or okay. see it. Well, I, I listened to it, and yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I appreciate it. And I thought there's a the place for it because I think in recent days, especially with online platforms and the ability to generate, you know, a movement or an audience behind a specific cause. Um, and you know, she says here, let's see. Um, indeed, this that is how change was described in a recent speech by Ahmad Corbett, first counselor in the church's young men general presidency to the to a group of Latter-day Saint chaplains. So she says, while activists within a, the faith may be promoting good causes, Corbett said, they should not do anything that would undermine confidence in faith leaders. Such efforts effectively but subtly undermine the doctrine of Christ, he said, which is God's plan for changing, saving, exalting his children. So, and then, you know, talking about these, you know, about primary and Sunday school, to me, I don't think necessarily these came about because of a, an activist nature of them where mm -hmm. the ordained women had much more of an activist or a, you know, um, um, you know, marching on, on certain places yeah. or, or having a, a sit in or whatever. Um, yeah. I don't know. To me, I feel like she didn't necessarily delineate between having a good idea come up from the bottom up, as opposed to an activist nature where a group gets together and marches, you know, on temple square. Right. I think there's a, a considerable difference between those things, but. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. Uh, and yeah, it, 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 it's hard to expect any organization to respond uh, kindly mm. uh, to people marching angrily out front, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah. That, that makes sense. Yeah, and, and, and if yeah. you do, you know, especially if they have a good idea and the church makes a change, then people think, oh, that worked. We should do more of that. And then the church has a bigger problem, you know, with, yeah. with it yeah. just a, a rotating door of protests and whatnot. So, um, well, should we yeah. talk about uh, Gordon Monson? And he, as he says it, that worthiness is an obsession in our faith tradition. You, you yeah, saw this article, I think didn't you? Was, Yeah, yeah. I think this was an interesting question that he asked. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I think it probably, like so many things in the church, varies a little bit by ward, by the, you know, the culture of where you live. Uh, but there is, I certainly feel this. It's, it's uh, uh, in some ways, my greatest challenge, right? That yeah. As an active member of the church uh, or you know, my entire life, uh, every minute, never, never missed a, you know, not like I didn't miss a Sunday, but I've, you know, I've been active, tight thing my whole life. Yeah. And yet, uh, I go to church and I'm reminded every week to repent. I'm reminded every week of all the things I'm not doing quite well enough. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, this, this wears on you a little bit. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, I, uh, at the same time, uh, there was a, a sister missionary in our ward ser serving from Utah, I think. I think she's from Utah in my ward, but uh, uh, she's just Sister Speth was in our ward. And uh, she gave a talk, and I think it was January or February, about repentance. And it really, it really helped me a lot hmm. think through this. Uh, and she... So this is how self-improvement happens, right? This is, that's, that's what self-improvement is, right? We're trying to do better, right? And, and we call it repentance here in church. And all we're doing is saying to the Lord, help me on my self-improvement journey, right? And, and, and she was much more articulate than I am, but uh, it was really reassuring to me that there is a framework for thinking about these things that isn't uh, the same language we often here but anyway uh, yeah. i thought it was interesting and so you know gordon took us through the the temple recommend questions and asked you know how do you feel about these and all um but it, it is kind of an interesting question um 
but I, I was grateful for Sister Speth helping me see <laughs> yeah. repentance and the need to, to do better and be better in a more as a God-supported self-improvement. Uh, right. And in that way, you go, oh yeah, who, who's, who's not for self-improvement? Yeah, I, I want to, I'm all in there, you know? Yeah, yeah. So did she, did she address the, the concept of worthiness or that using that term or? She did. I, she didn't specifically use that term. And so mm-hmm. I'm a little bit off Gordon's topic, just a little bit, but I think, um, you kind of recognize this in church where, uh, it, we, we often see these, th- these messages about how we could be better ministering brothers in elders quorum or better right. ministering sisters. And, Boy, you know, we've heard that our entire lives. We called it different things. I'm not quite old enough to remember when they were uh, ward teachers. Isn't that what they were before home yeah, teachers? Yeah, but, ward teachers. Uh, and then block teachers, but, I think, for a time before that. <laughs> yeah, so it's um, all kinds of different things. But it, it's the same basic program. I, you know, I know there are a lot of people who are excited about the big changes, but it's the same basic program. We check on, on each other. And... Yeah, it's easy for an elders quorum president or a bishop or a Relief Society president to leave people feeling kind of guilty because they haven't done their ministering the right, right. way. And then you could you could hear in sacrament meeting two different talks on different themes where, again, you're being reminded that you're not uh, living the word of wisdom enthusiastically enough uh, because you don't exercise enough or you eat too much meat or who knows what. And then you could hear another talk about, you know, tithe paying and you're calculating it wrong or you're (laughs) not paying it soon enough or, you know, who knows what. Uh, And so you could come away from church with just kind of this, Oh man, I didn't do that. that." Uh, (laughs) And, and so are they yeah. ever satisfied with me, right? Yes, yes, right? Uh, and then the Temple Recommend interview that he kind of highlights is this, uh, you know, this uh, assessment. And if you see this as, uh, in, as an external ass- assessment, it really is painful. Uh, to the extent, I guess, we can internalize it, it feels less onerous. But we, you know, that, that's kind of a, a higher law kind of thing, which is kind of the goal yeah. of the temple, get us thinking at a higher law, but to take, yeah. you know, that personal responsibility to own our worthiness rather than externalize it. But, I don't yeah. Know. yeah. Anyway, it's, it's, it's an interesting, interesting piece. Interesting. Yeah. Piece. So uh, the, I guess there's a headline here is, is the LDS church obsessed with the worthiness? Who decides it? You, your bishop or your God? And yeah, and I don't know, there's, there's all, all sorts of variables and components to this discussion where, and maybe in modern times where mental health, we're, we're much more aware of mental health, anxieties and things. And so we've created this worthiness term and put a lot of baggage into it. And then as we're trying to, you know, use it in ways that simplify discussions and maybe a church setting or uh, help, you know, youth understand that there's certain standards to go to the temple, but then ha- w- there's just such heaviness to that word. And it's a loaded term. And, you know, we want people to feel worthy no matter what, when in reality, there's still this component of like, well, what about, you know, going to the temple? And and I feel like it's like at this crossroads of where theology meets administration, where, um, because, the, I mean, we have these beautiful doctrines of the temple, of, you know, going to the temple and participating in, in a, you know, higher ordinances and promises and whatnot. But, all right, how, how do we determine who we let in that door, right? There's one extreme where, you know, what if we just let anybody in that door? I remember this this past year, I had the opportunity to go to the Holy Land and walking in some of these Jewish synagogues or, you know, the the tomb of, uh, of David. And you walk past these Orthodox Jews who are, doing some type of right or praying in a way that for me an, an outsider like okay that's kind of weird but hey do you do your thing i'm just here to see the tomb whatever and you know we could we do something like that that seems a little extreme to just go about our temple ordinances while anybody can walk in so maybe that's too far but so where do we draw the line and then it gets well we need a list of questions and and then we're we're attempting to to measure something that really can't be measured right like how do yeah. you measure the heart of an individual we, yeah. and, and Gordon Monson makes this point of like, there's individuals who could check off all the boxes, but some who are maybe as pure as Mother yeah. Teresa, who maybe appreciate a cappuccino in the morning every once in a while. And so yeah. right. it's just sort of yeah. a mess it, that we've found ourselves it, in. 
it is, I think, maybe the fundamental point he was trying to make uh, that someone who drinks a cup of coffee cannot go to the temple if they're honest about that. And yet uh, could be, you know, Mother Teresa character, morality in every other respect aligned with church doctrine and, and some other person who is mean to everybody. Because there's no question about, are you mean, right? You could be right. mean to everybody. You could be mean in your calling. You could be a bishop and be a turd. And <laughs> and you would get into the temple, right? there. It wouldn't even come up. It's, it's not there. It's not a question. Are you are you mean to people? Not there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that was kind of his, his point, yeah. that, that it's not a perfect measure of genuine morality. Um, but, you know, it's kind of what we're saddled with for the moment. Yeah. Uh, and in the recent years, you know, the church has made significant changes to the temple recommend questions, which were very encouraging from my point of view. You know, I was like, oh, great. You know, we're getting... We're not sort of as black and white with with some of those questions, and um, maybe more open to discussion with you know looking at case by case situation. Um, but uh, I don't know. I just feel like maybe there's more to consider, and I'm sure there's council meetings and committees and in, in the offices of the church who've just spent hours upon hours over this question and how to oh, do this because it yeah. is a tricky one. I mean, can we can we just ask one question of? And I think. Uh, Gordon Monson makes this. He says, uh, there are many ways to gauge faith and worthiness beyond a standard list of Q&A coming from the other side of the table. The belief here is that real measure, the belief here is the real measure of it. The real meaning is your yours and God's to comprehend and deter, to determine. God is the one who knows all. God is the one who loves all. God is the wisest of all. Uh, uh, wisest of all. God is the judge of all. And, yeah. you know, yeah, to me, I wonder if we could even simplify it to: Are you are you striving to believe? Right? Are you are you yeah. in? Are you a member of the church with good intentions and wanting to have good things happen in your life? Yeah, I am. Because yeah. I, I mean, there are individuals yeah. who maybe couldn't say that. Like, well, I don't really believe. Yeah. Or, and this yeah. was really tricky as as a bishop. I remember one individual I sat down with as his bishop going through the questions, and he couldn't really get behind the idea that Joseph Smith was a prophet. And I'm thinking, oh, well, I'm sorry. I don't know what else to tell you, but that's yeah. sort of part of the, part of the deal here to go to the temple. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'd love to find a loophole here, but I, I'm really having a hard time doing that. And it was sort of a discouraging yeah. discussion for him. And, and again, I, I look back on that situation, uh, that circumstance, and sometimes I go back and forth. Well, maybe I should have just, you know, looked past <laughs> yeah. that and moved yeah. on, you know, but yeah. Um, yeah. I know, just a really tricky dynamic. Um, and now we've project these, you know, this worthiness concept onto some of our institutions, like working at the church or teaching at BYU Idaho. And and we've, in yeah. recent weeks, you know, that's uh, become controversial suddenly. Yeah. yeah. And lost their jobs. And the last thing I ever want is for a repentance process to feel like a punishment. And if you're losing your job, because you're in the midst of a repentance process, I don't know how else it could be seen, but a punishment, you know? And so, yeah. and I just think this is a worthy discussion to explore and I don't have all the answers. I don't think you, no, you have all the no, answers. No, 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 no. I, I certainly yeah. don't. You know, it, you know, when it comes to employment, you, you know, I was thinking about this. Uh, if you worked at Coca-Cola and it, they said, well, are you, you know, sharing secrets with Pepsi? And you said, well, yeah, sometimes I do. You know, they'd be kind of ticked. <laughs> yeah, <that'd> probably, be, <laughs> uh, probably wouldn't work dismissal. there anymore. Uh, and so, you know, it's not, uh, you know, this this idea of loyalty um, isn't uh, exclusive to the church, and tying that to employment isn't uh, totally uh, unbelievable or un, you know, uh, you know, to totally baffling. But it. Yeah, it really is an interesting question, and it's so painful to think that someone who um, is close enough to the church to have a temple recommend and to work for uh, a church university and to then mm -hmm. think, oh, we don't want you doing that anymore, that, that is hard and painful yeah. to think about. Uh, so I sure hope that the folks who are doing that are doing it as prayerfully and as generously yeah. and as kindly and as patiently and as lovingly as possible. Yeah. Yeah. That's really the best we can do at this point with the circumstances that as they are. So, all right. What else we got? What 
any other article direction you want to go in? Well, there's uh, I thought, you know, being the liberal that I am, there was <laughs> it was fun for me to see uh, some conservatives come out this week to explain why the church was wrong to support the Respect for Marriage yes. Act, which was, I think, if I understand correctly, passed the House today as we're recording this. We're recording this on Friday. I don't know when you'll share this three months from now. Hopefully or whatever, tomorrow. But, but we'll okay. See. But <laughs> so uh, by the time you uh, people listen to it, Biden might have signed it uh, and it'll be law. And, and in no small part, because the church put their finger on the scale and said, we support this version, um, right? Because it was close. It was the kind yeah. of thing that was close, and the church's support clearly was tied, in my mind at least, to Senator Romney and a few other people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. voting to to get this passed. So it, it, I think it mattered uh, in this case. Um, and as one who was very uncomfortable with the church's position on Prop 8, even back then, uh, uh-huh. I could tell you a story about that, but I'll, I'll save that for another day. But uh, <laughs> the... Uh, it was interesting to see some folks who are quite conservative say, no, no, the church is wrong. The church should not have done that uh, for a variety of strategic reasons. And I won't get into their rhetoric and their their arguments in my mind. You may want to talk about that. But I was less interested in the substance of the arguments. And I listened to some, and they're very articulate, very thoughtful. I don't mean to suggest it's not worth talking about them because they're unimportant or uninformed. but. Right. The key issue is that as a liberal uh, who goes to church, I often feel somewhat ostracized and belittled by the rhetoric I hear from the pulpit in church where Mm -hmm. uh, conservative politics and gospel doctrine uh, tend to get interwoven sometimes into a sacrament meeting talk or a priesthood lesson in ways that don't harmonize for me, right? And uh, the church has always said, uh, you can do what you want on politics. That's a different thing than what you do in the church with our doctrine. And we may have an opinion. We may tell you how we want you to vote, but your standing in the church is not tied to whether you are donating to the cause or voting with us on these issues. Your your worthiness is not determined by your politics. And uh, it's usually, if we're being honest, the liberals that are kind of feeling a little ostracized. So it was really fun for me to see the conservatives saying, no, 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 the church is being too liberal on this. They shouldn't have taken that position. So um, it's just a reminder in in my mind that, in fact, the church has long said, uh, you don't have to agree agree with us on politics. You don't have to vote the way we ask. But we, you know, on these matters of moral things, we may ask you to vote, but that you don't have to, to be, to get a temple recommend, for instance. So anyway, yeah. long, whew, sorry, yeah. <laughs> no, that's I think good. I got that out. That, that no, frames I, the discussion. Yeah, I really, uh, I listened to this episode. It's on the Mormon Land podcast. We'll link to uh, this episode. It is worth, like, yeah. from my point of view, as a very politically conservative individual, hearing, listening this was really helpful for me to just see the struggle from our side of the politics this time, right? And yeah, to see how yeah. they articulate through uh, these concepts, because you're right. I mean, even uh, I'll be the first to admit, like, uh, I, it would be a lot more difficult for me if I was liberal and going to church and whatnot, you know, just the, the casual throwaway statements of that they can send the message of like, you know, I don't get why it's so hard for liberals. If they just got, yeah. got on board with the prophets, you know, you yeah. know, just, just do what the prophets say. And then, you know, it will be good. So just get with the program. Yeah. Right. And so and this is where like politics and the church, the, the, the worlds meet. And it's interesting to hear just how, you know, it's clear throughout this, this, uh, conversation that these men are very faithful they believe in these as the oh, yeah. the leaders of the church as prophets seers and revelators but they're saying you know what president oaks like get out of politics you know there's no yeah. room for you here this is not your specialty let us handle it and i and one <laughs> you know maybe one who lives uh, leans a little more libertarian i sort of appreciated the perspective of you know what you've given us the principles you've taught us the things now we will enter the political realm and and do things there and yeah. according to how we believe and our faith and whatnot, and uh, because it is sometimes difficult, and I'm sure from the liberal side, it's it's difficult when that statement comes from the church, and it's like, oh, well, you know, I really yeah. want to push my point of view and and stand, 
and and deliver on my perspective but now i'm sort of in you know going up against the church it feels like and i don't want to yeah, be that yeah. guy right yeah yeah and yeah. uh so it it was fun for me to see the angst on a conservative's <laughs> face <laughs> That's right. with this but uh you know, I think it's just a, it's an important reminder to all of us that, yeah. um, you know, church doctrine is what belongs at the pulpit and in the church. And then we can talk, uh, politics on podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so. All right. And it does kind of, it can confuse from a theological standpoint. It can be a little confusing. It's like, okay, I have this family proclamation, which we tout as very inspired and, you know, the, I, what is the last paragraph that says, you know, all government should, you know, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but mm -hmm. should uh, put forward legislation that will protect, you know, the traditional marriage or whatnot. And then it's like, well, wait a minute, this one does, you know, you, some could argue it doesn't yeah. do that, but now you're behind it. And so where are we standing with the theology of all this? You know, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's interesting discussion for sure. Definitely check that out. Uh, the Mormon Land yeah. podcast course right after you listen to this week in mormons because this is where that's you right. should right be your after. primary source for a news. that's right so that's right <laughs> nice uh let me see here what do we got oh you'll be proud of me Devin. You, I, okay. as, as a politically conservative person i interviewed uh, for this week in mormons i interviewed two individuals from lds earth stewardship uh this yeah. is a non-profit organization are you familiar with it Oh, I, yes, I'm familiar with the organization, and I listened to part of your podcast. I didn't okay. get it finished, but I, okay. I turned it on to listen to it yesterday. Yeah. I saw you yeah. posted it yesterday. Listened yeah, yeah. to part of it today. So yeah. Great I, uh, podcast. Very I important randomly, discussion. I randomly came across a tweet that they shared or whatnot, and I was I was intrigued by the fact that Bishop Casse, you know, he this was the focus of his recent general conference talk. Were you, did you give a good fist bump when he heard oh, Bishop yeah. Casse? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And because yeah. this is one thing I know, um, the, you know, environmental, uh, environmentalists in the church, you know, that are very passionate about these things. They've asked for years, why doesn't the church at least give a nod to the issues and complexities of, uh, Protecting and being good stewards of the environment. And so, and this is an organization that does that. So anyways, I just want to plug people to go back to the last episode in the podcast feed and listen to that. And I, you know, I try not yeah. to ask softball questions the whole time, but I've appreciated their perspective and what they're doing. And, and by the end of it, I thought, oh, wow, well, you know, this is cool that these organizations are out there that Latter-day Saints who are, uh, you know, want to promote good stewardship to the earth and whatnot, have a place to find their tribe and, and, uh, put on events and, and get that message out there. So anyway, yeah. I want to mention that. Yeah. Um, you got anything else on your side? Did we cover the yeah, big well, ones you want to? The last thing I was going to mention is that there's a new book out, uh, by, um, uh, where'd I go? But a uh, new book called, uh, loneliness, the documents that was, a new book that was written by a guy who wrote a book about the same topic uh, 25 years ago. Uh, Is it called In Sacred or Loneliness or Just Loneliness? You're right. It. In Sacred Loneliness. Okay. I apologize. Uh, yeah. He wrote Todd in Compton, 97. Right? Yeah. Tw yeah. Yeah. So 25 years ago, he wrote Sacred Loneliness, the Plural, Plural Wives of Joseph Smith. And what he's done is just as an echo of that he's assembled some of the documents he worked from for the first book uh, to tell some of these stories more directly in the women's own language. And it's really fascinating to read this uh, fairly lengthy piece. Um, I'm thinking again, it was Peggy Fletcher stack. Yeah, it's Peggy and David noise, but uh, uh, I think of Peggy as a friend of mine. She's just great. I tend to read everything or nearly everything she writes. Um, but yeah, a fascinating article, listening to read through some of this history. Um, I was not well aware of Joseph's polygamy before the 90s, um, but I knew it. I, I was not under the impression that polygamy started with Brigham Young. Yeah. Um, and I think there, you know, the article suggests that some members of the church were caught off guard, that they didn't realize that Joseph Smith had practiced polygamy. Um, yeah. I find that in a way confusing, but I don't doubt that it's true. Uh, right. But anyway, it was interesting to hear, you know, his practice of polygamy um, 
like so many other things in the church, we get better at it over time. And, and, and so he, he married about 10 women who were married to other men and they mm-hmm. all stayed married to their other husbands. Um, and there's no good record, no good evidence uh, on whether he consummated all of those marriages or not. And of course, that's an interesting curiosity. Uh, but there's really not much evidence that he didn't. Um, uh, and so it's really kind of an interesting look at how uh, at the earliest days of polygamy and um and, and the author, she, uh, Peggy asked the author what she thinks of his youngest wife, who was just 14. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting. He, he, the author said, he, I think it was a mistake, but he said he, in that case, he does think there is good evidence, at least some evidence, that Joseph didn't have sex with her when she was 14, mm-hmm. that it was that they married uh largely at the invitation of her parents when she was 14. Uh, and that if they ever did consummate the marriage, it was when she was older. So yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. In- interesting stuff. You yeah, know, it's, are, it's so easy to see polygamy as just sort of a point of history. I, yes, it happened. It didn't, or, you know, but to, to have someone put together actual stories and the words of the, you know, the, the human beings involved here, it can really yeah. help you gain a better understanding or, or sort of wrap your arms around the complexity of, of this, of, of this tradition and what happened in our faith and, um, and hopefully yeah. give you a better place of faith to, to, uh, go from there. So yeah. awesome. It's, it's a fascinating part of our history. Yes. To yeah. say the least for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one article I came, this is a church news article, but, uh, it says one Latter-day Saint football player, uh, one Latter-day Saint football player's unexpected journey to this year's Army-Navy game. Now, and this, the Army-Navy game, I believe, is uh, will be happen as this same day that this episode publishes. But uh, this is uh, a fantastic, uh, his name is, oh, come on, uh, Creedon Folger. And he uh, grew up here in in. Utah. He went to high school in Hiram, Utah at Mountain Crest High School. And he broke his his hip or his pelvis three different times in high school. One that just got tackled awkwardly and broke his pelvis. And then he was, uh, he thought he was good six weeks later and then uh, tried to play in the state championship game and then broke his hip a second time. And then as a, um, and he broke his hip just punting the football because he says his, his tendons and muscles were so strong that it, his body broke his own pelvis, crazy stuff. Um, oh and then gosh. broke it a third time as he was grounding a ball during a baseball game. Anyways, and then that led to him going on a mission, which really uh, developed him personally and then came back. He was planning to go to Utah state, but his scholarship was gone. So then he went to uh, Navy who is coached by oh, right now. I got to say his name. Uh, Coach Niamu Talolo, who is a stake president in that part of the, the country. And so anyways, it just talks about sort of a good, you know, they could probably sell a good screenplay to a, a Latter-day Saint filmmaker about, uh, yeah. about Creedon's, um, path of just, just what the influence of a mission can have and going through adversity and, and now being able to play in an epic football game. So yeah, I could feel good. That is, story. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great story. Absolutely. A great story. Um, we did, you know, it seems like uh, as we have a team that publishes, posts things on our, uh, the This Week in Mormon's social media pages and whatnot. There's, um, it seems to be the church is making more and more of an effort. There wasn't a specific article, but just like um, more information coming out from the church is how to apply and be a part of FSY activities for the, the coming summer and whatnot. And there seems to be more of an emphasis on really making sure that this takes off. I think with all things uh, youth, COVID really, you know, as, as pretty much everything else, but, um, you know, getting momentum in the the new youth program was really difficult. And now the establishment of FFSY activities. And uh, one commenter, even on one of those posts said that he applied to be a advisor because they, he heard that they were trying to get more and more male advisors. And then they basically told him, we're not considering your application anymore because 
uh, we've had to cancel quite a few FSY events. And so anyways, it, it'll be interesting to see uh, how how FSY happens maybe this this next summer and uh, hopefully yeah. we get some momentum behind it. So Yeah, that is interesting. Um, what else is going to mention? Oh, another thing we are... Um, our team is doing is we're posting every every day we're highlighting a church christmas music and yes we've already done mr kruger's christmas the classic of classics devin any other than mr kruger's is there a a christmas a church christmas like clip or movie that your your mind goes to automatically oh wow um, i'm putting you on the spot here yeah but you know the, the mr kruger's christmas i gotta tell you see that came out when i was uh you know late teens uh, early yeah late teens late 70s, and so right? uh it was probably 1980 oh, okay uh, um kind of coincident with the arrival of uh vcrs and so it was the first yeah. time for instance missionaries could take a videotape around uh to or show beta people. tape if that was your flavor <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh in fact uh, uh missionaries at that time i remember were uh were carrying the vcr right because it was still oh, really? early days right you, you didn't just take the tape to shove it in someone's uh, yeah. vcr you had no to take more the flannel VCR. boards take the vcr yeah. instead yeah yeah <laughs> So yeah, I have a great emotional connection to that uh, for, for a variety of reasons. But I uh, see what others are there. Um, we're, we're featuring the. Um, this is a re- more recent one, the the coat, which is an animated short uh, film mm-hmm. that talks about uh, Heber J. Grant and ha- giving his coat away and things like that. So, oh, um, that'd be good. Uh, yeah. You know, it's not a Christmas movie, but it sort of makes that a good Christmassy point. Is uh, Cipher in the Snow? Have you ever seen oh, that? Yes. Um, it's now, not what's a Christmas the premise movie, of that? but it's the premise is that uh, this kid uh, basically gets off the school bus one day and dies, just oh, literally yes. dies. And so they start trying to figure out what caused him to die. And it was that he had been rejected and unloved everywhere he went. Oh, uh, if I, I, I think that's the story, uh, as I recall. But it, yeah, it's a very, you know, moving uh, story. It's sort of like... Uh, what was that um, Netflix series that came out uh, a year or two ago about um, the 13 reasons I killed myself? Uh, oh, yeah. I never saw any of that, was, but kind of it a was heavy. the same kind of. Yeah, yeah, it was the same kind of thing. Uh, very, very well done. But, you know, by BYU back in the day, wow. but kind of a Christmassy movie. It should be nice yeah. to people. Well, maybe we should uh, put that on a list of highlights. So yeah. um, and then it just seems like the all over uh, the news feed with in relation to our church is it seems like in, in uh, last week they mentioned this uh, and as far as these local church wards or stakes doing some remarkable exhibits and sort of inviting the community like the there's an international nativity exhibit in London that's happening um, and then they mentioned a few others but it's just cool to see local units sort of stepping up and not waiting for you know the tabernacle choir to do their thing and to, to point their neighbors to or whatnot say hey you know we're gonna do something cool down at the local you know stake center yeah. and we're gonna make it happen so look for those yeah. and, um really cool to do um this is a little cross promotion between leading saints and this week in mormons we put out a question at leading saints this week about what's if, if there was one thing about church decor that you would change what would that be and we're getting some interesting comments as far as uh people responding a lot of a lot of uh you know comment on on artwork and things like that and what comes to mind other than chargers in the parking lot devin what other <laughs> <laughs> yeah what other any, any if you could change one thing about church decor what would it be um that is a great great question um <laughs> I, I think um yeah here it is here is the one thing i would change uh i would uh get back to two things so it's two things i'm sorry i'm i'm gonna violate your rule that's right uh, no no rules here <laughs> pipe organs where you can see the dang pipes mm-hmm. uh, love it i i've been in in wards where they have literally hidden or taken out the pipes and it's just uh heartbreaking in a way to think of the yeah. investment in those magnificent organs that have been hidden because it didn't meet current you know purchasing uh protocols in the church uh, yeah, and yeah. then the other is stained glass i've had uh, uh in fact um in 
my last stake, there was a stained glass in several, in almost all the wards had beautiful stained glass windows. I think, yeah, yeah. almost all the ward buildings. Yeah, Salt Lake's and, got and, a, and a one, handful. And, and one of the wards was so prominent. It had a, it had been done in like uh, one of the church magazines. And when I was in the Hong Kong temple, I found uh, a photo of the stained glass from my ward back in Salt Lake in the Hong Kong temple. So oh, wow. um, I would love to see more stained glass in chapels. I know yeah. it's expensive, but yeah. uh, it, it, it's such magnificent art or can be i would that's what i yeah. would do. well i i wish you know i remember back in the day my my dad's told me stories where you know if, you know if the, they wanted a, if you needed a building in a certain area it was up to the the local membership to come together and say we got to raise some funds let's do this right now we're we're so spoiled we just yeah. i mean i'm in stansbury park and the fact that we don't have another building going up i'm sort of like miffed about it. like come on like we, give us a building here but um yeah but I, I almost wish, you know, I, I appreciate the the funds we have and that we can build buildings without that, you know, localized fundraising. But it would be so cool if maybe a bishopric or a stake presidency could go to the local members and say, okay, they're building a new building. We would like to have stained glass in there. Do you think we could rally yeah. some funds here and let's get some stained right. glass going? You know, and yeah. I think people yeah, really raise step hundred thousand dollars to do a magnificent yeah. stained yeah. glass or something. And yeah. let's just let's make this building our own and do that way but anyways there's yeah. that's on the list of many things as we've we've already talked about the, the complexities yeah. of running an international church and uh, whether it's temple recommend yeah. questions or stained glass in churches or charging stations whatever it is yeah <laughs> so write your local um 70 and uh, since we don't have congressmen in the church so you can write your, your <laughs> that's <story>. right <laughs> <laughs> so well Devin, this has been awesome i appreciate yeah, you coming great. back Catch to the you. twin world um anything glad to be here glad anything be here. We, we haven't said anything on a plug a side hustle you're doing uh, <laughs> anything like yeah, that well you know i just remind people visit the supercrowd.com oh, to right. get tickets to supercrowd 23 so. and it's a re- it's a remote conference so yeah, anyone can go. Save on whether travel. You're in Utah or Maine or Alaska, we want to have you. Are you emceeing that? We're, are we going to see on some virtual stage? Yes, I will probably emcee this one again. I emceed oh, cool. the last one. We'll see if that, uh, how that goes. But uh, yeah. I enjoy doing that, and uh, we don't have a budget for anyone else to do it. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. seems like so it's probably what will happen. Nice, yeah. love it. Awesome. Well, thanks, Devin. And those uh, listening, this is uh, always fun to get on here and talk about some current events happening in in the world of Mormonism. And uh, we encourage you to go check us out. You can see the links to uh, all the articles we talked about by going to thisweekinmormons.com. Of course, follow us on all the social media platforms to see the 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 news as it as it breaks and uh, and these christmas videos that we're, we're sharing so it makes it a little more festive december for you and of course uh, help us out to grow and uh, get some consistency uh, on this week in mormons by going to our patreon at patreon.com slash this week in mormons and uh, help us out throw us a few dollars there and until next week enjoy being mormon this week goodbye everybody <laughs> <laughs>